set up the right structure for you, make sure you're speaking to the right people and just do things better than you've been doing them before. I think most of us in the industry have the skill level and um, have the ability to list and sell. The thing that generally is the differentiation between why an agent does okay and why another agent does really well is because they've got their head in the right space. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of elite agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner, Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links and shortcuts, visit EliteAgentElevate.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, Visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate Podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, editor of Elite Agent and host of this week's show. On today's podcast, I'm thrilled to welcome one of Ray White's top selling principals, David Walker. An elite performer and a chairman's elite business leader, David is a director of Ray White up in North Shore. He has over 15 years experience in the industry and oversees a growing team spanning three offices. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, it's awesome to have you. And, and as we're just talking off air, we're in Queensland now and I feel like I know you because I've lived around Sydney's North Shore for so long and you've been there for what, 15 years? Yeah, it's been 15 years now, time's flown, but 15 years of doing real estate up in the best part of the country. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start off with the exciting stuff. We got a news release a couple of weeks ago that you'd just celebrated 10 years with Ray White and you've just crossed the 1 billion in sales mark. So first of all, congratulations, amazing achievement. Thank you. Was that a goal that you ever set your sights on or was it something that you thought about when you were early in your career in real estate? Absolutely not. Like it wasn't even something that uh, something I was aware of up until literally a week or two before it happened. So Ray White obviously tracked numbers pretty closely and I just happened to be on their agent pulse that sort of tells you where you're up to for the year and in relation to other people in the group. And then I found this little dash panel of overall career stats and it was, I think, 989 million or something. So then a couple of people at corporates had, had um, made me aware of it as well. Yeah, well, how did you feel when you saw that number? That I've been in real estate for too long. No, no, <laughs> it made the, me feel the, old. That, so. that, that number with all those nine with nearly nearly one billion. Yeah, no, it was, it's a pretty big number. It's a bit overwhelming. But no, it's, it, it was pretty special to think that I've hit a mark after working, you know, in Bray White now for just over 10 years, but hit a mark that seems like a very big number and if you had said that to me 10 years ago I would have taken it. Yeah it's interesting though because it does creep up like you just work hard work hard work hard and then all of a sudden you've got the big number to back it up. Yeah and I guess in my career as well a lot of that has probably come more in the back end of it so I think last year was something like 260, 268 million of the billion so it just shows sort of a progression in a career and if you get to a point where you're starting to um, get a lot more referrals and business from avenues that you weren't in the early stages, say to the younger agents out there, just keep ticking away and eventually things start paying off. 
yeah, the momentum comes eventually. Absolutely. So let's backtrack a little bit. How did you get into real estate? Did you choose real estate or did real estate choose you? A little bit of both. I got into it as a bit of an in-between. I was 18, taking a year off school. And one of my friends who owned a nursery down in Brookvale said, why don't you come? And he was getting into real estate himself. And he said, why don't you come down and have an interview? And as an 18-year-old, I went down to local DY real estate office and did the interview. And I remember as old school way of interviewing where the, the principal at the time said, sell me this pen. And about a year, my first year of real estate, I was awarded the Young Achiever of the Year in that real estate group. And apart from sort of a, a two-year hiatus where I've got into stockbroking to give that a try, the rest is history. Yeah. So it's interesting. People still use that old sell the pen trick. Do you remember what you said, how you sold it? Yeah. Well, he, he often told the story that he never interviewed anyone for a sales position that was under the age of 30. That was his policy. And I was there as a, a young upstart, 18-year-old. He always said, sell me this pen and my question back to him was, are you in the market for a pen? Ooh. And he's like, oh, I've never heard anyone answer it that way. Good answer. We built a, a good relationship and I learned a lot from him. So a decade with Ray White is a pretty amazing achievement in itself. So take us through your business today and the expansion of Ray White up in North Shore. So I've been a business owner now with Ray White for just over five years. Me um, and a couple of business partners opened Ray White Warunga five years ago. And since then, we've taken on the Taramara office, the St. Ives office, and we're opening another office in February in Roseville. Yeah. Wow. That's big expansion. Mm, yeah. And so what sort of a year did you have last year? I know it was a bit of an interesting year for everybody, but leading into that, how are you approaching 2021? So last year, we learnt a lot at the beginning stages of the year. I found it a blessing in disguise for our business in, in the fact that we we learnt about how to minimise the wastage in terms of costs and then maximise the output. And I hate the word pivot because everyone seems to be using it, but in, in times where things happen, you have to learn how to change and go back to best practices. But from where we were in, say, March, April last year, where people were saying, you know, real estate industry could be shut down for a while and the things that happened to people in Melbourne. And we came, came out of it with our biggest year ever. We did 484 sales and we sold nearly a billion dollars of real estate as a group last year. Yeah, amazing. You just mentioned that you had another couple of directors that you work with. How do you work across the group? I've got my business partner, Greg Wendell, who his role within the business is to run and um, manage the day-to-day -day sort of and sees the day-to-day -day running of the business and very, very lucky to have somebody like him who really knows his stuff, ex-banker and just thinks a bit differently. Him and I are sort of yin, yin and yang where I, I want to go and do this and that and he'll be very level-headed and want to just think about it and we, we do it in the right way. So we really complement each other that way. I think especially when you're looking at expanding in business, you need somebody to be the person that sort of questions things and how are we going to do that better and rather than just going off on a tangent and doing something half-baked, do it the right way. Yeah, it's good to have a number of different people wearing a number of different hats in the business. Absolutely. And so you're still a selling principal, aren't you? I am, yeah. Yeah. How do you balance selling with leading the team? It's a it's an interesting balance. I've learned a lot in the last five years. By nature, as a salesperson, you're always looking for the next listing, the next sale. But I think as a business owner and director and sort of manager of people within the business, 
you start putting on your your principal's hat of, well, how can I start helping people within the business, whether that's going and helping with enlisting presentations or whichever way possible, whether it's training or just it might just be a how, how do I have this conversation or what should I do or say in this particular situation. There's the main things, but it's definitely a bit of a juggling act, I think, to be a principal if you're just the one man or woman band still trying to sell and lead people would be really difficult. As I said, having Greg that does all of the back-end stuff, I, I think it would be very, very hard to manage time if, if I was responsible to do all that. But having the right people around me as well definitely makes a difference. Yeah, definitely. It's always that balancing act between what's good for the business and what's good for the people. Like you've got to get the, the best outcomes for both of them. So last year, Ray White Upper North Shore was named top Ray White office, I think, in New South Wales ACT in terms of business growth. And you've just mentioned that you had a great year last year. How do you plan for growth again after having such a good year? Do you think that you'll top that again this year? Yeah, we're on track to do that. So that was for financial year. So just July to December, we had three record months in a row. So we're definitely on track to beat last year's financial year. And that's all around we we went through a period of, of growth with people in that 12 months and now it's more a period of the people that have come into the business making sure we can get the most out of them and help them and give them the tools to go out and get as much business and make as many sales as possible. With the expansion that you've experienced, have you grown the team significantly as well to match that? Yeah, we have. Some people like to open offices and hope that people come, whereas we took the view that we wanted to get people and then open offices with people in the right space because you can open as many offices as you want, but if you don't have the right people in them and you're just filling them for people's sake, then they're not going to be profitable and you're also going to have the wrong culture within your business. So we got the right people in and not too many, but the people that we wanted and then we've opened offices from there. So, for example, Roseville that opens in a month's time or the end of this month will be three agents that have been in the business now anywhere from 18 months to six months. And we've got three strong agents in that area, which gave us a footprint to then open an office. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I think one of the difficult things too is when you bring people into your business, you need to have them absorb the culture of, of your business, the, the culture that you've built. How do you get new people to understand the culture of Ray White up in North Shore? When we were sort of growing the business five years ago, we made the decision back then not to grow just for growth's sake, but to grow with the right people. There's been people that we haven't taken on that just didn't fit the moulds of what we wanted within the business. So we could have grown quicker acutely, but we decided to play a bit more of a longer game and get the right people and go for the people that we felt were the right people to join our business. And once we attracted those people, having those people and the right people within the business then attracted even more people that were the right people. So the longer game has turned out to work in our favour because now within the business, we've got the people that we want, the culture that we want, and they're out in the marketplace, we're getting the recommendations and now we're double any of our competitors in the area for not just size but sales. So your advice for people that are experiencing growth would be to make sure you really, really, really get the people side of it right. Our business is all about people. I know that sounds cliche, but I think a lot of businesses and a lot of business owners um, have the view that let's just get some 
bums on seats and I'm better off having somebody writing low numbers, but they're writing some numbers and accepting mediocrity rather than going, well, let's go for the biggest fish and try and get a culture of good to great rather than just getting a culture of average people who I'm not then scared they're going to leave me because they're not too big for their boots. Whereas I'd rather somebody who's writing a million or one and a half million dollars who we can then try and add value to their career and really help them so they're not going to want to leave us rather than going, well, I'm going to employ somebody writing $200,000 or $300,000 who I feel then's not a flight risk to leave and go and start their own thing. Yeah, absolutely. So 2020 also saw Ray White up on offshore named a Client Choice Awards winner. How is your approach to customer service different to, say, some other agencies? So I think that sort of lies in the quality of the people within the business. Again, if you get the wrong people and attract the wrong people, you're probably not going to be getting the referral business or the testimonials or the recommendations that a business where you've got the top agents in the area who are doing the right thing, who have the right ethics, the right morals, who want the best for their clients. As I said earlier, playing the longer game and getting the right people, it's meant it's been a lot easier to be the client choice award for the group because uh, we know our people are doing the right thing by their clients. So let's talk about you again and let's talk about that big number again because there's probably some agents listening who have thought about their careers at the turn of the year and thought this is going to be my year (laughs) and that is a very big number and we've already broken that down to say well don't aim for that one straight away just chip away at it but what tips do you have for agents looking to lift their numbers? Um, So all I can say is look at the agent you want to be, look at how you believe that you're the, the ultimate business model that you could potentially have and start asking yourself why you've not put that in place today and there's always going to be an excuse on I can't afford to or I don't want to put that person on until I've done this sort of business. Five years ago when we started the business, I took a a long, hard look at myself and my structure and the people that I had around me um, within my own team and I took on two associates and had an administrator which at the time I probably, looking back at it, really wasn't at that stage to warrant it, but I did it and it was the best move I made because it forced me then to be really good because I needed to be and it put the right pressure on me to have to go and win listings and have to sell them and have to work my butt off to make sure that I was able to afford salaries and therefore I'm justifying the people I had in my team. And if you get the right structure for you, which is probably more around looking at what your weaknesses are, then you're going to make sure that you can just focus on what your strengths are rather than worrying about having to do things you're either not going to do or you're not very good at doing them. Or you don't like. Or you don't like, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, what you just described then reminded me of Tony Robbins, how he'd say, if you want to get to a goal, then burn your boats. I mean, he said something else. Yeah in between that but that's exactly yep. what, that's what you're describing I'm a massive that. believer of that burn the boat story so for anyone who doesn't know it, it's worth going and googling it but absolutely you've got to have no plan b I, whenever I interview anybody for a role I always ask what are you going to do if this career doesn't work out for you and if they've got an answer to it they don't get employed <laughs> yeah actually I'm, I'm going to write that one down now that's a great question what about routine are you like a 5am clubber Sometimes because one of my boys comes and wakes me up, but no, I'm up most mornings at six and got a couple of the team that come around and do a bit of a gym session in our garage and and things. But I I sort of try and do things in balance and 
I look at a lot of people who do the 5am thing and if it works for you, then great. If it doesn't, it's like what we said before. If you know that you probably will do it for a month or two and then will fall by the wayside, it's probably not something that's going to be long-term. But if you can maintain something that is is in routine and you do it constantly, then absolutely worth doing. So for me, it's up at six o'clock and I've got three-year-old and five-year-old boys. So spending as much time with them as possible before and after work if I can. Yeah. Amazing. You've got to spend time with your family, particularly while they're young. Yes. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Do you have a set routine when it comes to prospecting or like an ideal day or an ideal week? I did earlier on in my career. I think ideal weeks are great if you can do that. My day these days is every single day is different. So I don't have an ideal day or week, but I have my own little KPIs about appraisals or listing presentations, calling contract holders for properties um, and open homes and vendor meetings and speaking to vendors and potential vendors. But I've got the team around me who does prospecting calls for me and getting me in front of people rather than me having to do that myself. Yeah. Do you remember back in the early days what you did to get in front of more people? I do not. And actually at the time as a 18 year old I loved it it was a hard slog back then but maybe it was the old school way but I I spent the first 12 months of my career door knocking for a lead agent and it was what I knew and that's that was normal to me so I would be in the office early would be out door knocking for hours on end would be back in the office making calls and stay back late putting names on the cardboard cutout cards that we used to have back in the day before we we had an actual database and that worked for me got in front of hundreds of people and and got to know my area. Yeah. If you were starting in real estate today as a young 18-year-old agent, what would you focus on? I would go and focus on a particular area, probably 1,000 to 1,500 houses, and I would be in there speaking to as many people as possible. I'd be knocking on doors. I would be out getting my name out there, letterbox dropping, and I would just be doing I guess the the one percenters that a lot of people say they're going to do and probably do for a month or two and then don't get a call and, and give up on. So if you do that for a 12-month period, it might take 12 months to actually get a call in or get somebody who goes, oh, I've seen your stuff in my mailbox or, yeah, I know you've knocked on my door three times. But if you do that long enough, people are going to start recognising you, acknowledging you and um, giving you a call because all you need to do is become one of the three they call. And then when you do get called, you need to make sure your listing presentation is as good as it possibly can be because we spend so much time trying to get in the doors. The moment we find a seller, somebody who is going on the market, we then turn around and go, actually, I'm not that confident in my listing presentation. And I actually don't think I'm as good as that my my competitor. So I'm I'm not going to look that good in front of the vendor. If you can nail your listing presentation, and can sit down and actually have some genuine why me's and some points of difference from your competitors, you're going to have the confidence and therefore give the vendor the confidence you're going to get them the best price. So make sure you don't have an average listing presentation, whether you need to reach out to somebody and sit down with them and somebody mentor you through how to get a better listing presentation. The listing presentation for me is probably the most important part of the whole process because if you can just increase the amount of listings you get by 15 to 20% a year, that will make your career progression so much quicker 
and it will give you so much more energy when you're going into a listing presentation. Because when I go into a Prezzo right now, even though I've got some of the best competition in Sydney as competitors, I genuinely know I'm the best person for the job. And so I think that comes across when I'm sitting in front of potential vendors. And that's great advice. So if I could just summarise that briefly, and hopefully I get this right, is that a lot of agents focus on the, I've got to make calls and I've got a door knock and things like that, but not enough on the listing presentation. So when you do actually get in, then you've got to be able to convert that listing presentation straight away. Yep, absolutely. And you've also got to all constantly be changing it. Some people are still saying the same thing they were saying three years ago. And it, you just sound boring and it just sounds like it's staged. So I'm always trying to mix stuff up and whether you're delivering something a bit differently or whether you come up with a new marketing idea or just something a bit different so it keeps you on your own toes. But absolutely, we spend hours, whether it's going to the gym or eating healthy or you know whether you play an instrument, practicing. But then for a listing presentation, which really is the determinant as to whether you're going to have a successful career in being a listing agent, no one spends any time on, no one sort of gets there and looks at what they're showing people or how they're delivering lines or how you're proving the difference between you and the next person and no one spends any time on it and then they wonder why they, they lose listings to, to good agents. Yeah. It's hard to figure out though, isn't it? Because as soon as you've lost a listing presentation, the last thing you want to go is go back there and go, why did I lose this one? But you've got to, don't you? So that you learn. Yeah, but I, I actually these days as well don't mind when I lose a listing presentation because it makes me think what could have I done differently maybe I could have delivered that better or and it keeps you on your toes a bit if you're winning every listing presentation you'd start becoming a little bit more relaxed and as I said having some really good competition up here I think is great because it drives me to be better and I know I have to be on the top of my game. Yeah you just said a minute ago that when you're in front of a vendor, you're very sure that you are the best person for the job and you look like the best person for the job to me already. But let's just say you're having a bad day and we all have bad days. What's a tip for you to get past that, to, to be able to give your best in front of a vendor? What I do, just this is a personal thing, if I'm having a bad day or something's happened or whatever it is, I switch my phone off and put on my favourites on the way to the presentation and I just don't let my head go there. So it's too important because somebody selling a house, it's not rocket science selling a house, but to them it's such a big thing to do and it's a personal thing to do. If you're not giving them all your energy and time and you're not in the right headspace, not just for your own self-preservation as an agent, but for them I think you're doing them a disservice. So if I'm not in the right headspace, I will either change the appointment, which I hardly ever do, or we'll put on my favourite song, listen to that, and then by the time I get to the, the property, I'm ready to go and I'm in the right headspace. We can control our thoughts. We can control whether we're happy or sad. <clears throat> Anyone that dwells on something bad, and obviously some terrible things happen to people and there's, there's times that's going to be hard to overcome, but if you're just having a bad day because you woke up on the wrong side of the bed or you forgot to pay or you got a parking line, you can get over that pretty easily. It's all in your own head. Yeah, I haven't met a situation that Bruno Mars's uptown funk can't fix, frankly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so um, that's my go-to. Yeah. If you could give your younger self any advice right now, what would it be? Just keep moving forward. You've got to look back to make sure you can do things better. It's the only ever time you look back and reflect, but always be moving forward. So celebrate wins, but 
don't take it as a as I'm I'm great or I can't improve because I'm so good. I think there's a lot of agents out there that probably I think think they're the best. I've got an attitude that I'm always waiting for somebody to catch us out because you pinch yourself and go, hang on a minute, I'm not as good as what I think I could be. So how can I improve? How can I get better? How can I help people around me? So I'm always looking at how we can do things better. Don't ever rest on your laurels. So if you have a good win, great. Celebrate it, be happy about it. An hour later, move on. If you have a loss, same sort of thing. Don't dwell on it. Don't get upset. Don't let it ruin your day. Move on and make yourself stronger from it. Yeah, that's good advice. Well, David, it's been amazing talking to you and and getting to know you today. If there was like one piece of advice, one piece of closing advice that you could leave our listeners with, what would it be? It's a great question. It's something that I don't want to give a cliche answer to, but set up the right structure for you. Make sure you're speaking to the right people and just do things better than you've been doing them before. Because real estate, I think most of us in the industry have the skill level and um, have the ability to list and sell. The thing that generally is the differentiation between why an agent does okay and why another agent does really well is because they've got their head in the right space and they just get on with it and they just know what they have to do and they don't come up with excuses on why they're not going to do it. And so all I would say to people is just keep moving forward and make sure that you're trying to have the best day you possibly can and learn from your mistakes, but always be trying to learn from things and be the best person you can possibly be in every situation. Yeah, absolutely. And that what you were talking about before, continuous improvement, like always looking for ways to improve. Absolutely. David Walker, thank you so much. My pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Elevate with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links and shortcuts. Visit eliteagentelevate.com.